0: So that was like the second problem which needed solving. People aren't gonna wanna full heartedly commit to use the music unless they know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm good. This music is, again, it's taste. It's gonna augment the feeling. It's gonna make sure that it's memorable, it's great. But at the same time, it's gonna make sure that the underlying musician and creator, he or she is compensated. That's what we've ultimately tried to solve for.
1: We're creating a revolution in today's music industry. And this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm super excited to be here today with Oscar Herglund. He's the co-founder and CEO of Epidemic Sound. They're a music company that produces music for online creators. They get between 40 to 50 billion with a B plays per month. And literally, I just I'm talking to him right now after they just raised $450 million at a $1.4 billion valuation. So it's like when you go from like M to, to B for billions, I feel like that's just um, the amount of impact that that involves is incredible. And I love the way that you described it to I was like, when we first offered on this call, I'm like, yeah, well, that's a lot of moolah. It's like a lot of impact that you can make. And he's like, yes, yeah, a lot of music. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's incredible. And I, you know, I know we talked about like your vision and the mission behind what drives you guys and soundtracking the internet. So I'm really, really excited to be able to dig in today and talk through Epidemic Sound, what you guys offer and why it's an opportunity for musicians who might be listening to this right now. So Oscar, uh, I know you've had your hands full and you've had a very, very busy uh, you know, weeks and months and you know, years leading up to this moment. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to be here today.
0: Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. So let's kick things off. Heck yeah.
1: So I'd love to start off just by hearing a little bit about uh, more about your story and how you got to this point, you know, starting Epidemic Sound. And for anyone who's listening to this right now, it's like a, as an introduction.
0: Cool. So let's take a step back in time, because um, we kicked things off almost 12 years ago. and People are typically a bit surprised by that because we've been around for a long time, but we haven't really made such a huge fuss about ourselves. I'd argue maybe it's only recently that we're starting to pop up on people's radar. And you alluded to it in the offset, but maybe the announcement uh, last week also is going to help change that a little bit. But we came from very humble beginnings but I would argue that we always were driven by big ideas. So there was this big audacious goal that we set ourselves many, many years ago. But I think before diving into that, I think it's fair to say that we stumbled upon what we then eventually decided to do by coming across two problems that needed solving. So 12 years ago, I found myself together with one of my co-founders Zach, we were in TV production. And so we were making TV shows and Sometimes successfully, sometimes not so much. But we did shows that traveled across the world. And adding music was obviously uh, supposed to be one of the high points because content without music is a bit like food without taste. doesn't pack a punch. And so adding music was critical, but it was fundamentally broken, right? It was so difficult to clear music, find it, understood who owned what rights, talked to publishers, record labels, PROs, neighboring rights organizations, just fundamentally broken and something that ought to be so much joy, so much fun, adding like beautiful impactful music to content and to visuals and to stills was something you were afraid of because you were terrified that you would might make a mistake and you definitely didn't want a success. So you didn't want your content to travel well and do well because you knew that you may get into legal troubles because there was probably some platform, some part of the world that you hadn't thought about or hadn't cleared or somebody on purpose had made it difficult for you to understand. So, That part of adding music to content, fundamentally broken. And then the flip side are other co-founders who came from music production and music creation. Two co-founders called David and Parr. They had like more than 200 hits on the Billboard Top 100. They have written for Madonna, for Celine Dion, and CeeLo Green, and very accomplished. But they were frustrated from the other side of the equation. They came from a world where musicians had a really tough time making ends meet because there was this disconnect between hard work and revenue generation and it was supposed to work out because there was supposed to be royalty but what people neglected to tell music creators was that 99.5 percent typically don't generate enough royalty to make ends meet it was odd because the bills kept on piling up every single month but you couldn't really bank on the royalty because you were so much at the whim of was it reported correctly? Did they get the transcripts right? Would ASCAP or BMI do their part? with the record label? with the publisher? Would all the intermediaries do their part? So people weren't getting paid up front, and that was an issue. So the pre- second problem that we stumbled upon was, what about if we try and re-engineer the music industry? One where it's not always the middlemen who win, not always the publishers, the PROs, and the labels who wins, but maybe a world where music creators can make shitloads of money. How about if we try and optimize for that? So fixing the soundtracking part and fixing the part of um, compensating musicians properly and fairly. So those were the two problems, right? And it all came together beautifully because we saw what the internet was. And I think more important, we were fortunate enough to have an idea of what it might become because early days, internet was very tech centric. And we knew that over time, it was going to transform and turn into a picture centric medium. This was before Instagram, right? But then over time, we knew without a shadow of a doubt that the internet is going to be a video-centric medium. Now, we knew that because we felt compelled that video is such a strong medium. It carries so much more information. It carries emotion. So over time, as the bandwidth increases, we know that it's going to land in that region. And we felt so passionately about this that we I think we all just joined around the mission that we think that probably the internet is going to be our generation's defining achievement if we're fortunate, your grandkids, Michael, my grandkids are going to sort of look up to us and at some point in time. I think we all believe this with a passionate epidemic. Grandkids are going to go to us and they're going to go, huh, I guess you could say that your generation created the internet. Is that right, granddad? And you and me are going to look at them and hopefully we're going to get to say, hell yes, we did that. And then I'm sure that they're going to go, that's cool and all, because that wasn't just your generation's biggest collective achievement amongst yourselves, but it's also it's the frigging internet. It's what our entire lives is based on. It's what we do to shop, to express ourselves, healthcare, interact, we educate ourselves. Everything relies on the internet. And granted, please tell me that you played a small part in putting the internet together. You need to remind me, what was your role in the gen- of your generation's defining moment? And at Epidemic, I think early on, we felt that we, we lean into that discussion. It's decades out there, but we'd love to be able to have that discussion and say, You know what? We did play a small part, but it was a crucial one because we helped to soundtrack the internet. We were the ones who were able to re-engineer the entire music industry and help create the new ecosystem which put music and creativity front and center. We brought feelings to our generation's biggest collective achievement. And in that process, we unleashed music and creativity to everyone. We solved for the single biggest problem for online content creators, which is, how can you soundtrack anything anywhere? How can you make sure that content with excellent music can travel to all platforms which exist today, but also platforms that exist tomorrow? That's a big problem to solve, but that's what we've committed to. So the, the epidemic journey is the ambition to help soundtrack the internet. That's what we're about.
1: I love that, dude. That's, that's awesome. And I think that anytime... Yeah. All of my mentors have, have shared exercises or similar stories where they're kind of like, they've fast forwarded 30 years or fast forward to the moment that they're on their deathbed and they're kind of looking back and really kind of puts things in a perspective, you know, it's, it's like, Oh man, like, you know, there's so many little things I was worried about, but I, I love that you guys were able to have that insight um, up front and have this huge vision to be able to you know, literally impact, impact the state of the world and, and the music industry. Specifically, yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are going to be listening to this from the perspective of a musician and an artist and a a creator who, you know, one of the biggest problems that you talked about addressing was sort of this broken lottery where very, very, very few artists are able to be successful and sustain themselves. And, you know, but you know, there are a few who it's like, they get like, they happen to break big and they're just huge, massive um, and being able to kind of fix that issue and make it easier, and make it em- empower musicians to be able to sustain themselves, to do the thing that they are most passionate about, and be able to share that and make an impact with it. So I'm I'm curious to hear specifically, like, with um, what you guys offer, what exactly is what is the model for artists, and um, how does that compare to like what's available nowadays?
0: Yeah. So let's just do a really a quick rundown. So we offer a subscription so the vast majority of our paying customers we call them storytellers and we count them in the millions and they're anything from my 12 year old nephew who uses access to the catalog that we provide and they soundtrack their instagram posts random ad hoc one viewer two viewers five viewers small creators and then they carry on all the way up to netflix who has a subscription with us and they use our music to soundtrack their shows like Narcos or something like that. And then basically everything in between, small, medium-sized businesses, media companies, industrial companies, nail salons, YouTubers, influence, basically anyone who's commercially looking to add music to their stories and bring them to life and allow them to travel, There are our customers. We call them content creators. And so they pay a subscription. So that's on the one hand. And on the other side, over the years, we've accumulated this library of tens of thousands of tracks, tens of thousands of sound effects. And the contributors here are music creators from basically all around the world. Typically, we over-index in North America and in Northern Europe. I can get back to why, but that's where the vast majority of content creators or music creators that we work with currently are from. We commission tracks from music creators. So it's not an open marketplace. If I were to compare it to anything i'd loosely compare it maybe to a netflix whereas they would commission shows right so you would commission a house of cards something where you're very particular typically we have tons of data in terms of we know what the internet sounds like because we're at such a massive scale now so we get access to all this information and we use that information to put out briefs briefs that we send to the musicians who we work with this is what our data is telling us we're looking for tracks that sound like this or these are keywords where we're coming up short. We think that this is a trend that's going to take off. We're seeing that music in Southeast Asia is moving in this direction. Let's stay ahead of the curve. We're seeing that traction on YouTube is moving in this direction. We're seeing that unboxing videos and Twitch are heading in this direction. And that informs how we create our briefs. So that's the model. So we work directly with music creators, creating this catalog of music, which today spans tens of thousands of tracks. And then we offer that catalog to music creators, sorry, to content creators who have a fixed subscription and they use the music there. But I think that simplifying it even more, what we've done is we've tried to solve for three problems. So there's this one vision, right? Let's try and see if we can soundtrack the internet. We've leaned into two superpowers. And so on the one hand, we rely heavily on engineering. So we're a product driven company. We build products that help connect all the platforms all the demand of the entire world. And we lean into that, we embrace that a lot. Second superpower we lean into is creativity. So we work with music creators and we marry music creators with engineers because we think beautiful things happen there. There's structure, there's foresight, but then there's this spark of genius. There's creativity that just brings everything to life. Those are the two superpowers. And the three problems that we solve for is, first one was how can we help music creators? So there's the element of getting paid and then you need to help them to get played. And in terms of getting paid, we've come up with a model which we think is fairly unique. Uh, we're careful not to contrast it too much with the traditional music industry because we have no we have no interest in bad mouthing labels or publishers or PRO, neighboring rights organizations per se. We think that what we share in common is this this huge respect for music, huge respect for intellectual property and for copyright but we maybe have somewhat different ways going about serving and helping the key constituents of that market, how we go about and help music creators optimize for, for the best possible outcome. So when it comes to, to paying and making sure the musicians can make a living, we actually have three different components to how we pay music creators. So first up is the upfront model because we're fed up with not paying musicians. We don't believe in only talking about royalty. So we commission tracks, We put our money where our mouth is and we pay anywhere between $1,000 and up to $5,000 per track. So we'll send you a specific brief and saying, if you're up for it, this is what we're looking for. We think you have the skill set. This and this is how it should play out. If that inspires you, you'd say yes. We typically have two to three iterations with feedback and you talk to our A&R team and we help you and we land in a result where we both of us feel this is amazing. You get paid up front. It's not enough. It's, It's not recoupable uh it's not an upfront it's it's yours regardless of whether or not the track ever gets played so we pay you for that so we buy the commercial ride we then put that in our catalog and we have millions of our generation's most prolific storytellers who find that track and they go wow this is exactly what i've been looking for the last months and i go yeah i know because we have access to that data why do you think we commissioned it so we put that out there and that gets spread all across the world across all platforms And if you're lucky, you meet hundreds of millions of viewers. And if you're really lucky, you're going to meet billions of viewers because our content is at such massive scale. You may have alluded to it, but I think our music is played 1.5 billion times every single day, just on YouTube, right? And so that creates a lot of demand and it builds relationship with viewers who hear the music and they fall in love with the music and they shazam the music or they sound how that, or they start writing comments on Instagram or, or YouTube and Twitch and say, who's this artist? Who's this track? And we're obviously eager to serve. So we make sure we push all that music out to Shazam, to Soundhound, to all these different uh, third-party functions. And people find the music and then they transition over to the streaming platforms. So they head over to Apple Music or to Spotify or to Deezer or to Tidal or to any one of the 45 different DSPs that we serve as well. And we've uploaded all of our tracks there as well. Why? Well, we're looking to soundtrack the internet, but more important, we're looking to serve the music creators that we partner with. So we paid for the track up front. Our business model then is the marketing, is the distribution that they want to get their music spread, which is the second problem we serve for music creators, distribution. And then people start playing the tracks. After having heard to it a couple of times on YouTube and places like that, they head over to Spotify. That generates royalty. And so we collect that royalty because we're restriction-free music. We're not royalty-free music. We believe in royalty, but we don't use the third-party collectors to do that for us. So we get the royalty directly from the DSPs. And then we took a long, hard think about how do we want to distribute this amongst music creators? We paid up front for the track. We commissioned it. But we fundamentally want to help music creators. What would be the fair thing to do? How will we guess that we pay up front in full? But let's split all the revenue we generate from royalty 50-50, like a true partnership. We commission it. We market it. But we want to do this together with music creators. Remember, we have this picture of talking with future generations and how we help musicians. And so that's an uncapped upside. And so we collect all this royalty and we start paying it out to musicians. When word spread that that was happening, I think the amount of people who applied to work for us went up by 100X. People just went crazy because there was suddenly this engine that started to work and really distribute well. So we started to generate millions of dollars from the different DSPs and we paid out millions of dollars to music creators. And that was basically how that model was launched. So we had the two-part payments upfront payment and then we split royalty and what we just released now recently is we have something we call the soundtrack bonus because in parallel we're seeing our music is is created it's built and it's optimized to help soundtrack the internet so obviously we're keen to make sure that we're feedbacking to music creators what's landing well with our content creators and so we put together this smart system which we launched this year where we just pushed in a million dollars and we said that depending on how much your tracks get downloaded because we think that's a good proxy of how interesting they are to the content creators, we're going to pay you a, an additional fee, like a third one. So upfront royalty, but then depending on how large percentage of downloads your music accounts for, we're going to pay you additional money from the million dollar pool. And this is the first year we launched the million dollar pool and we're anticipating that it's going to go down well and that we can increase that as well. So we created, I think I'm going to stop there because that's an important sort of first question we solved for how can we make sure that we can market artists and pay them fairly? This is our version of what we think that believes in. This is how we think that as that scales, we're seeing that artists and music creators in the US on average, they make about $20,000 per year. And I think we're currently paying out on average about um, $35,000 per year. So we're almost like 100% up from the average. And this is our average. Top earners obviously wake up. Make way, way more, but I'm just gonna pause there for a while. And see if, if you have any questions.
1: Hmm. It's fascinating, dude. It's really, really cool. I mean, what a—it's like a pretty big revolution in terms of like just like the model uh, for creators and a really, really interesting. And I mean, a couple of questions came up. One was kind of around the production of the music, and you know, are the are the creators? Are they like? producing their own music or is there like a team that kind of helps them to create the songs? And then I would also, <laughs> I, I think, um, well, one thing I'd like to dig into is, you know, kind of the, the, the pros and cons, right? I think that that you mentioned that, there, that there's like some like controversy and there's probably some objections that certain people have. So I, I'd love to have uh, to hear from you kind of your, your take on, on some of the, the pros and cons of, of this model um, and what some of the objections are that people might bring up you bet
0: so should we start with the first first question maybe so in terms of music creation what's the process
1: yeah exactly yep
0: cool so i'd say that i don't have the latest numbers but i think that we get it's fair to say that we get thousands and thousands of applications every year and like i said we're not an open marketplace it's not a free-for-all where everyone uploads and we'll see what sticks It's a much more curated uh, platform that we bring to the table. So people apply, everyone gets an individual response, and we listen to everyone and we feedback. And if we feel that the content creator has a unique sound, a unique voice, and a unique skill set, something that we are excited about, we'd double click and we'd lean in. What we're not looking for is the traditional hits. We're not in the business of trying to levitate everyone towards a sound to find the next Drake. Because I want to be super clear. We think that record labels and publishers fill like a very important role in the ecosystem. And I'm sure that for some artists, especially the ones who have already made it and who are more accomplished, who want to go from semi-famous to humongously famous, that's a great route. But for people who are either earlier in their career or maybe more niche, they don't have a sound which is as commonly uh, asked for as everyone else. I think we're the perfect alternative because if you think about it, we're trying to soundtrack the internet. And if the internet is a place where everything sounds the same, we're doing our future grandkids a disservice. So we're not really helping out. So every story is more or less unique and they're looking for a unique sound. So our job is to try and throw content creators into the deepest, darkest corners of our catalog, connecting them with tracks that nobody has ever played because this is a unique frigging documentary about the planet Saturn. And so that needs a specific soundtrack, as opposed to, we had a great night out, what was the name of that track we heard in that club in Ohio, or whatever it might have been, right? And so we're looking to make something different. So people apply, we screen, and we uh, interact with them. And then we have a team of about 50 ANRs, uh, headquartered in Stockholm, uh, but sit all around the world. We have people in Nashville, in New York, in LA, and we're constantly on the lookout for talent, all different shapes and sizes all over the world but it, A, tends to over-index in North America and in Northern Europe, and, B, we're looking for a specific context because some of the historical agreements that have been crafted over decades, especially when you look towards performance rights organisations, unfortunately, they've been constructed in a way so that if you have a previous agreement or a, um, an understanding with the performance rights organisation, the fine print in those agreements typically tends to say that, yeah, if you sign this agreement, you can't work with anyone else in parallel. You're either with us or against us. So every single track you do, we have a right to manage all of those rights on your behalf, whether you've explicitly told us to or not. And so we feel it's our obligation to inform people that if you're already signed with a PRO, they've made it impossible for you to work with us. Consequences that a lot of people leave PROs. So we don't endorse it per se, because again, we think PROs are great, but we can't work with people typically if they're tied to PROs. Somewhat different in North America, somewhat different in, in Scandinavia, hence why it's easier that for us to work with super talented music creators because A, people don't sign to PROs in the same extent as they used to because it's not necessarily in everyone's best interest, um, especially since you can self-publish on many different platforms, and B, because it's it's clearer jurisdiction, so it's easier for us to acquire. So North America and Europe, and then if you sort of have an interesting voice, tonality, tone, it's something that you produce, we connect you. So you get a personal reviewer uh, who works at I Epidemic. Mean, she or he has been in the industry for probably 20 years plus. They've produced thousands of albums for hundreds of artists who've sold to hundreds of millions of people. So they're really good at the craft. And how this would typically go down, let's give you a hypothetical example. So let's say it's to you in the sake of argument, and let's say I'm your reviewer. God be my witness, that's not the case because I'm not that skilled and talented. My skills are in other areas. But how this would work is you'd send us something and it would strike a chord we say, this is amazing. And so here's what our data is telling us. We're seeing that kind of music you make, which is, I always use metal in my example. So I'm going to say it's metal-inspired cu- metal country. Um, <laughs> that's actually exactly what our data is telling us. There's a huge surge. So people are searching for this. They're not coming up with the results. We're not serving them the re- results we'd like to. Hence, we would like to commission a track. And so the, the, this is what we have in mind. And you go, huh, that's weird. But I exactly hear in my head what that ought to sound like. I'm definitely down for doing that. What's the commission? And we say, this is a $3,000 track because of X, Y, and Z. I'm totally up for it. You go out for a job because that's how you your to your start connecting. Pull out your phone. You start singing something like this is the bass. This is the melody. This is what I'm thinking. That sparks off your and my interaction. And typically we have something like three interactions. You get some feedback. It should be more in this direction. This is great. Go with that feeling. How about you add some of this? You reduce some of this. We're also feeling that this is something that's happening. So we try and be your counterpart. And so you, we help you, not so much as to steer you, but we give you feedback. And then when we're in a position where we feel like this is it, we acquire the track send you the money, that's yours forever, even though the track might tank totally on us, not on you. So you have the money. We then put that into the catalog, get millions of content creators. We push it out in our newsletters. We have some personal recommendations. So anyone that we know has been searching for that, we make sure that that lands on their page. Same to Amazon. If you put lots of Pez's next time you're on Amazon, you see a Pez dispenser, it's magic, right? So we have the same setup. And then music starts soundtracking content. First small, and then at scale. And then because it's music, it leaves a footprint. And so we collect that data in real time. So we have this music graph where we see what the internet sounds like. And we're seeing like, huh, go figure. That track really picked off in these areas or in these content classes. It's a hit on Instagram, but it's not on TikTok. It's doing very well on Twitch, but not at all on YouTube. It's doing well in non-English speaking language. It's doing really well in Korea, for example. So we might come back to you and said, you know those two tracks we commissioned? One didn't fly at all, but the second one, sort of country metal, it was great. It was actually huge in South Korea. So we're thinking about maybe pairing you up with this vocalist who could do some Korean growling or some, some kind of vocals on top of this because we think that would be super cool. Would you be up for doing something like that? Also, you might go, yeah, no, not really. Or you say, that's so cool. I'd love to experiment and see what that would sound like. And away we go. So it's this ongoing iterative process where we, we release stuff and immediately, because we're a one-stop shop, we have access to all these content creators and all these billions of viewers, we get immediate feedback. It's added to this playlist. It's been liked here. It's, it's added, so, so we can follow the algorithms and they can inform us. And so it's almost as though we're trying to supercharge musicians with access to data. So instead of being intimidating, instead of being this black box, we're trying to turn data into this creative help, which hopefully inspires, narrows creativity down, but obviously supercharges you to say, this is what we're looking for now. And this is a hypothetical brief, right? So we have on any given week in any given month, we have hundreds, if not thousands of different briefs because people are looking for different things all the time. And odds are that the different things we're looking for is something that you might be really good at. So that's, I think, why we're so well-suited to help the long tail. The superstars already have their ecosystem. They have their echo chambers. That's not what we're about. We're about the 99% helping them hone in on their skill, their voice, their craft, and then supercharging them through data distribution and monetization.
1: That's so awesome. I, I love that. Um, it sounds like like a key part of your business model is really like the data collection that you have from the the point of figuring out where's the biggest need in the market right now. Like what what are people looking for music for and being able to to work with artists to be able to to create that to clarify, so it sounds like a lot of the creative process is they really get this like this guidance and they get to collaborate with you know, really experienced uh, music creators to be able to go back and forth. And that's that in and of itself is so, so valuable. But it also, it sounds like you you guys are very curated and very selective with who you work with. And so right now I'm, I'm thinking on behalf of someone who might be like listening to this right now in what you guys are looking for, someone who would just be like the perfect fit as an artist to join your catalog um, it sounds like probably it would be someone who does have a lot of experience either like producing themselves or at least having like a like a contact or someone within the band that like produces their own music as well. Or do you guys work to kind of connect people with producers and like the mixing engineers or like how, how does that process work?
0: So I would split that into two different sort of subsets of questions. So the first one, which I think is the more obvious one, is do we connect people and so that you don't have to be this rent. Renaissance individual who masters everything and the answer is yes historically we didn't because we were more bootstrapped and tied for cash and so we had to work with people who could be more of a one-stop shop fortunately for us and for future generations we're past that point so we're more than happy to connect people uh with one another so they can collaborate so you can add your skill set to a specific track or a genre or something that we might would like you to work on on a project so that's the first part of the question the second part i realized i mean I over-index because it's true, but let's say maybe 80-20. So 80% of what we commission is very much driven by our need, our desire, our understanding, how we see the world moving and, and what kind of music we would like to, um, to help play a part in creating. But then there's always the 20%, which is we're constantly blown away by people who say, look, I have this idea. It's not driven by data. This is me. Have a listen. And we can go, holy shit. Let's not mess around with perfection. This is amazing. We would love to push it out. There isn't a specific need for it, but we think this is amazing. So it's going to create demand in its own right. And it happens on a daily basis. We are constantly releasing stuff that is just, I can't explain It's goosebumps. You hear something and you just immediately know that, wow, this packs a punch. It hits me in a place where I can't even explain where it is. And that's magical. So we definitely do both, but I want to be clear about sort of setting people's, and your listeners expectations initially we over index in if it's somebody who's willing to to take on feedback to work with people who are like really experienced who can get energy and be encouraged by co-producing with someone else that's i think where we typically start then the other stuff happens and in some cases you can dive directly into that but that's more of an exception we're more looking with people who are very keen in their mindsets of I want to learn i know my craft but there's always more i want to work with other people i want challenges i want to push my limits creatively and see where that takes me that's like the balance we're trying to strike
2: hey it's jared here i'm the co-producer of the modern musician podcast and i wanted to jump in real quick and say thank you so much for being a listener of the show we hope you really love the content and all the wisdom from our guests every week. We're still new podcasts, but we've so far had on 25 of the world's top music industry experts, and we just hit over 20,000 downloads. None of this could be possible without you, and we can't wait to show you what we have next. And speaking of amazing things we have in store for you, the Bonner Musician team has geared up to announce the launch of something so valuable and honestly really needed for all of us artists. We're calling it Music Mentor and it's basically this podcast on steroids. It's going to be so valuable if you're trying to grow as an artist and make an income but you don't have a thriving network or know the exact steps on how to make the biggest amount of progress in the shortest amount of time. If you wanna learn more about Music Mentor, what it is, and how it can help you build a sustainable music business, go to the link in the description of this episode and sign up because Michael Walker is gonna be doing a live free training about how to take away the overwhelm that we all feel from wearing a ton of different hats and sifting through all the information out there and how you can get real results and make a difference and an income much quicker. From the Modern Musician team, my co-producer Ari, and our founder Michael Walker, thank you so much for listening. Now back to the podcast.
1: Awesome, yeah, I love that that you guys have that that openness to allow people to you know be creative and have you know the musicians are very creative and so being able to just express yep. themselves and and to share that, to, um, I can see why that would be really valuable because yeah, sometimes those golden ideas they just they just happen, they come up, goosebumps. Awesome.
0: Should we go to the second question?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this will be a good one. So you know, I, I'm I'm sure that, you know, that you've had a lot of conversations around, um, you know, like certain like objections or questions or, or fears or concerns, because I mean, I, I think anytime that you do something that's really disruptive or something that's revolutionary, like it can be really scary and it's something, it's something new. And there probably are pros and, and downsides and you don't try to claim that you're everything to everybody, but I'm curious to hear what are some of the biggest you know, objections or fears that that you do hear come up and how do you respond to this? Yeah,
0: let me break it down by going back in history. So in order for your listeners to understand what the hell are we talking about? There was this point in time a couple of years ago where we realized that, huh, we seem to be doing a pretty good job of soundtracking the internet. Our numbers are up and to the right, but we're seeing that the the number one question on YouTube, because it started on YouTube, was that uh, viewers were reacting to content creators, and they would be saying stuff like, hey, PewDiePie, I love your last video. It was uh, hilarious, but you're playing this track in the background. It's just stuck to my mind. It's amazing. I want to use that when I play this game. I want to use that on Friday when I cook, when I hang out. I'm going to go for a run. We're going to go driving to Carmel this weekend. I want to play that track in the car. I can't find it on any music streaming platform. What's the track? And that happened a couple of thousand times. And then it happened a couple of million times before we eventually said that, let's take all of our tracks, put them on the Spotify's and the Apple's and the Amazon music of the world and see if we can help move viewers and turn them into listeners. And in the process, convert non-paying views into streaming lessons so we can generate more money for musicians. Because we weren't that originally. We were originally, we soundtracking the internet. But because of what we saw happening, that's how it played out. And so we did. We took all of our tracks, we put them on the streaming platforms, we put them on all streaming platforms, but we started out putting them on the largest one in the world at the time, which still is the largest one, which is Spotify. And so basically how that came across for the rest of the music industry was that suddenly out of nowhere, there was this company out of Sweden called Epidemic Sound, and they got millions and millions of streams across spotify where it started and people would google them and said who is this artist who is oi who is cospa who is uh neighborhood nick who's uh, any, any of our artists and typically they would come up blank because these artists had been working 10 years straight making music together with us and hadn't really over indexed in creating their online followings because they were making music which was used to soundtracking the internet so the the music industry leaped to a conclusion where they said this is fake, this is AI music, these artists don't exist, there's something phony, there's something, there's a hoax going on. And we were labeled with, this is fake, these are fake artists. And it escalated very, very fast. And we felt compelled immediately to sort of go out and sort of take this on the chin. We said, okay, hang on, here's what's going on. We've been soundtracking the internet for almost 10 years. We're doing a very good job of it. We're not seeing anyone else in this space. And if you ask anyone who is... Uh, an avid sort of content consumer across Twitch, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or anything and such, everyone knows who Oi is. Everyone knows who Cosby is. Everyone knows who Sarah the instrumentalist is because it's soundtracking all of the content that you know. So rather than claim that they're fake artists, maybe you should do some homework because we're soundtracking the internet and the internet is now moving into the streaming world. So eventually, when that sort of trickled down, sort of people piped down because they realized that, ah, All this music does exist it's just that i haven't been privy to it because i haven't been paying attention to online culture i've been more focused on the traditional music side of things so that first died down then you could maybe argue that there was a second wave because what was typically happened given the nature of how we commission stuff we would work with let's say like yourself a skilled music creator and let's say that there are four or five different genres where you are incredibly talented michael and so one would be edm another one would be more rock you love your country stuff which is what you're passionate that's your artistic expression the other ones just cater to your skill set that you're very good at writing for those different genres so typically what would happen over time would be that i want to put my own name on my country stuff because that's where i want to over index i'm a country person at heart i can do edm but i do that on under a separate project a separate name a bit like i don't know pharrell would do something under nerd something under pharrell something under something else depending on who he or she is working with, there are different project names that you want to use because it's a wildly different genre or a wildly different taste, or it's something where you're experimenting, where we're asking you to push your limits. So our music creators would work with sort of a couple of different projects at any given time. Then that needs explaining because there could be different names tied to different projects. It was always the case that so we would listen to what the music creator wanted to do because sometimes he or she wanted to have their name on everything. And other times they felt that, no, hang on. I now have millions of listeners across Apple Music every single month. If I release something now which is not country, it's. it's I've been persuaded to try this sort of metal country, which I'm not convinced is sort of where I want to go. I'm not going to release that and just say, I've had a stroke. This is me playing my normal tracks. I want to do that in a different context because I want to experiment. I, I want to see where this takes me. So I'd say that was maybe the second wave that we had to educate people. This is what's going on. I would argue it's similar to to an actor. I mean, I think Daniel Craig is a great actor. Sometimes he plays Bond, but sometimes he plays someone else. I'm I'm adult enough to understand that he's an actor. That's his craft. And he can do comedies. He can do action. He can do whatever he wants to do. One person plays different roles. And that doesn't make him less believable as a James Bond. It makes him more as versatile as an actor probably gives him a richer sense of accomplishment and he gets to try more stuff but we don't see why music creators should be any different you shouldn't be tied into a specific genre if you want to have multiple different projects that's your prerogative but that was again wildly disruptive and a bit uh sort of unheard of so that was the second big argument that we had to take and educate people well, this is how we view the world you don't have to agree with it, but this is, this is how our content and our music creators are communicating, saying that this is how we want to um, express ourselves. And then I'd say the third one was maybe more fundamental. And the third one dates back further in time, but I think it goes to when we launched, I would argue that there was, a, um, there was an understanding or there was a belief that in order to optimize for the best possible outcome as a music creator, you had to own your rights. There was something sacred about owning your rights. And we took a long, hard think about this 12 years ago. And we came to the following conclusion where we said that we think the underlying reason why artists want to own their rights is because they want to optimize for two things. They want to optimize for as much distribution as possible. And there's an assumption that owning rights will give you that. And the second one is monetization. They want to make sure that I I don't get cheated, that I get my fair share and I make as much money as possible. The huge Contrarian bet that we took almost a decade ago was in order to optimize for these two, we think we need to run in the opposite direction of everyone else. We think we have to acquire the financial rights, we think we have to own the copyright. Because if we do, we can build a platform, we can build distribution, we can build technology, we can cater to our version of commercially how we think the split ought to be. But in order to make those decisions, we can't be held anyone else's principles we can't go and work together with the traditional stakeholders in the music industry because they're geared around other unit economics so our big bet was we want to acquire and own copyright which is it's something that takes some getting used to but we want to do it because that's how we think we can best serve music creators that's how we can pay them more money up front that's how we can pay them more royalty over time that's how we can distribute their content not to millions but hundreds of millions of content creators across billions of viewers. And that's how we can market them at scale. So that's the original sort of controversy is that we acquire copyrights. We don't acquire moral rights because you can, and we have no interest. So we always put the artist's name front and center. You can Shazam any track. You can SoundHound any track. You can look up any track. And we're always going to put the artist's name or whatever the artist tells us to put there. So it's always about building them. But we've made sure that we have this sacred arrangement from a commercial perspective that we're doing all of this because we believe it's in the interest of the music creator, because that's how we get to the point when when we talk to future generations, how are we able to solve for musicians' needs? This is what we did. Second problem we wanted to solve for, and we haven't even touched upon that, is for content creators, and they have two headaches. One is, I need to be able to distribute well. So... I put together this documentary i want to reach as big of an audience as i can thing is though that audiences are becoming more and more fragmented it used to be i put it on youtube everyone will find it nowadays typically if you're a content creator and you have a video that you want to reach many viewers you would arguably go i'm going to market it on facebook um even so i might be more sort of micro targeted i'm going to market it on instagram I'm then going to live stream it on Twitch because their monetization is way better than everyone else. My catalog and sort of my back catalog, I'm going to keep that on YouTube because their search algorithm is second to none. Uh, I'm going to push it through Hulu. I'm going to push it onto these websites. I might syndicate it and put it on Vimeo a, a year down the line because that's where my more arty friends are. And that's where I get like the top viewers who like opinion I really care about point being you're going to put it on five six seven eight different platforms and if you created a piece of content which is music that may or may not be cleared for north america may or may not be cleared for say youtube as a platform as that content over time travels let's be honest so tiktok didn't exist two years ago twitter didn't really exist 10 years ago many of these platforms are popping up clubhouse i had my first like proper interview yesterday so many of these platforms are happening as we speak So the bigger question we need to solve for is how can we make sure that anyone can publish anything anywhere? And the answer is you need restriction-free music, completely different vessel to carry that copyright, carry that commercial potential so that anyone can publish this anywhere because distribution is one part. And the other part, you need a good night's sleep. Previously, if I was a content creator and I alluded to it, if I use a track, I found someone on SoundCloud, you go, yay, email him or her. We have an agreement. That's perfect put that in there, put hours and hours, labels of love into this documentary about my grandma or about lampshades or about uh, some, some electricity, let's say. Use this track, which I think magically covers it. Put it online. Two months later, you send me an email. I can say, guess what? I have great news, Oscar. I've just been signed. I've signed to this record label. That spells trouble for me because immediately they have a different copyright setting on YouTube, different one on um, sort of iTunes. There's a different one. It, it's not uh, compatible with uh, Vimeo. You definitely can't use it on your own website if you have any commercial interests. And then suddenly all of my content is rendered worthless. And the entire labor of love, my documentary, I have to pull it down from everywhere. It might get sued. Can't use it anywhere. Definitely can't sell it. So that was like the second problem which needed solving. People aren't going to want to full-heartedly commit to use the music unless they know without a shadow of a doubt that i'm good this music is again it's taste it's going to augment the feeling it's going to make sure that it's memorable it's great but at the same time it's going to make sure that the underlying musician and creator he or she is compensated that's what we've ultimately tried to solve for and so hopefully that ties into all the different controversies the questions our reasoning but as i'm sure you've picked up I'm. I can talk about this forever. So, just if there are any more questions around this, just hit me up.
1: Thank you so much for for sharing that. And I mean, my my probably my biggest takeaway from from all of it is that uh, someone really needs to start a country metal band and just like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm glad that's the biggest takeaway. Your heart is in the right place. I love that.
1: Watch, you're gonna be like your data tomorrow is gonna be showing it's like like hmm like for, there's like this huge need yeah, for country <laughs> metal all, all, all of a sudden it's just spiked up, um, cool. I mean, it's certainly uh, yeah, like it's a disruption in a lot of ways because uh, it's a different model, but and also in a lot of ways, you know, it just seems like a much fairer model to compensate uh, the majority of artists and so it's definitely something worth considering and and i can understand how people might feel a bit squeamish or a little bit worried about like giving up copyrights for their music but from my perspective it, it seems like you know it's it's coming from the right place and that ultimately it is serving the artists
0: one thing is that um every time we commission a track when when the track is done it's always the uh artist prerogative if he or she would like for us to purchase it. So if they come to the realization that, holy shit, I poured my soul into this track, this doesn't feel right, then you can retract it. You don't have to sell. We have no minimum requirements. There's no, ah, you've signed this, it's ours. It's always the artist's prerogative if he or she wants to sell it. That's one thing. Number two, we don't believe in lock-in. So we don't have exclusivity. You're free to leave whenever you want. So we've had people who work for us for a long time They've gone from exceptional to friggin' outstanding. And then they want to join a label. They want to sign with a publisher or do something else. We throw them a big-ass party. We celebrate. And our genuine feeling is, thank you for allowing us to work with you. You're amazing. So please go be successful, do other stuff. If you want to return, you're welcome at any point in time. But if you don't, we're going to be your biggest fans. So so I think that's the second important takeaway. And the third one is that, Our remuneration model is, it's for life. So if you produce 10 tracks for us and they do really, really well, we don't use that as a means to lock you in and say, if you ever leave, we're gonna stop paying royalty or we're gonna change the splits. You leave, you do other stuff. You're still gonna see checks from us every single month because that's the story we wanna tell our grandkids. That's what I'm proud about, saying that we empowered music creators. We helped them, especially now in times of COVID. If you're a musician, you're probably hurting like hell. Because you can't tour, you can't meet your fans, you can't do the live thing. We're more than happy to be here to help people so in the interim. You can do one track, two tracks, three tracks, give it a go. If you like it, odds are you will, you'll stick around. Because you have context, you have colleagues, you have feedback, you have structure. There's so much more. We thought that maybe the distribution and the money part would be the main kicker. And I'm not going to lie, it's a huge kicker. But the fact that you have colleagues, people to talk to, to your previous point, somebody who can help usher, challenge, encourage you. Being a creator is, it's difficult stuff, right? You're alone with your demons and you, and you want to commit and produce. But if you don't have somebody to hold your hand or intellectually uh, sort of help you or challenge you or push you, it's hard because it can be a very dark and lonely place. So I'd say all of those things combined we want to offer something that gives it doesn't take it gives and you can choose to do it and you can choose not to do it i think so. that's how we see it and i think it very much comes down to how you think about the creative process we don't believe in locking people in if, if we're allowed to participate in people's creative journey for just a short period of time we're super humbled we're really excited about that but it always comes down to, to, the, to the respect for the creative process and for creating music that's 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 what's at the core of what we do it doesn't matter how much data how much insight how much distribution if we don't revere that process if we don't fully understand it and build around it and work around that then we would be fun- we, we wouldn't be where we are today we wouldn't be the company soundtracking the internet and we wouldn't be in a position where you and I can have this discussion
1: mm, Awesome. I, I really appreciate you clarifying that and that yeah that's that's amazing that's certainly that, that feels. It feels really good that you guys operate in that way and that it sounds like it is uh, very open and um, you know people are, are free to to come and to leave and and it's not like they're like locked in for for life or anything like that. So last question. so I guess to wrap up here. First of all, thanks again so much. This has been awesome having this conversation and congratulations on your success. And uh, so recent and, um, you know, what you've been building up over this time and over the next, you know, 10, 20, 50, hundred years, and you're talking to your grandkids, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, hearing about that conversation you have <laughs> about, um, you know, being able to, to make that kind of impact. But for anyone who's listening to this right now, who is, whos is like wow, like this sounds like a great opportunity. I'm, I'm wondering if I might be a right fit, or like what, what that process looks like. And obviously, you know, this is probably something that, that changes um, changes over time based on the uh, on the needs, or based on just like where where things are at. But what would you say right now for anyone listening? to This like what would you say makes someone the prime candidate who's like the perfect fit for what you guys are looking for as a partner? And if someone thinks that they are that that right fit, then how can they reach out?
0: Okay, so super easy, right? So number one is I would uh, encourage and invite anyone to go to epidemicsound.com. At the bottom, you'll find four artists. That's step number one. Step number two, don't take my word for it. Instead, dive down on our website. But more important, Google. Google the shit out of us and see what other people have to say about us. That's probably the best way to understand who are these people. What do they stand for? How do they act? So this sounds all rosy and good, hopefully but to make sure that you, you, you do your homework because we're very convinced where that's going to land. Then number three, I'd say that please apply. I think that there are only two traits. If you're curious and ambitious, you've got what it takes. We're looking for people who are interested in, in developing, who are ambitious because they have a voice. They, they, it's, it's almost like a feeling you can't have. It's a need, it's a hunger, it's a desire to express yourself. If you have that and you also have a willingness to learn, you're not of the opinion that I know everything. There's no nobody can teach me anything. If the traits you have are hunger and 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 curiosity, that's you're the person we're looking for. And then let the interaction speak for itself. So you're gonna get a feeling what we're like, how we conduct ourselves, how we interact with you, with your music, with the creative process. It all starts from there. And then I'd say so that's how we that's how we get going. That's how we want it to work. So start with the curiosity and the hunger, and then the rest will um, will reveal itself.
1: All right, fantastic. So what we'll will we'll do then is we'll um, make sure to put the link in the the show notes for anyone that is interested to check out the website and potentially applying. From what you just described, I think that you know, most of our most of our listeners uh, hopefully fit that criteria um, in terms of you know they are artists who have a passion and have, and are curious and are open-minded and are willing to learn. And I mean, it's the things you just described. It's like, if you don't have like that, those are like the fundamentals to life success, I feel like, um, but especially as like a creative, as an artist, um, if anyone's listening to this right now, is like, it's like, hmm, like that, that isn't me. Then it's like probably time to do some inward <laughs> inward work and, <laughs> and like learning like you know what's blocking that that flow of of life and love <laughs> inside of you. Um but uh but Oscar, man, it's it's been awesome, awesome talking with you. I really appreciate what you're doing and I'm ex- excited to explore more the community and the audience that that we've built. I think a lot of them are the perfect fit for exactly what you're doing and being able to get their music uh, distributed yeah. and heard by more people to be able to, to create more and be compensated fairly for it. I think it's a really cool opportunity. So I'm looking forward to connecting more over time.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm super keen to see sort of how this resonates with your with audience. And I'd be more than happy to come back and see if there are any follow-ups and more stuff and maybe potentially collabs and partnerships we could do. I'd be thrilled if uh, we could uh, have a call sometime soon and I could share with you that, these artists reach out this is the product this is what we're doing and we can start and we can listen to some music who knows there may be some metal country in there
1: <laughs> metal country <laughs> if anyone is listening to this right now you know you your one ticket to <laughs> lifelong successes on the backs of metal country awesome cool right. have a good one man yep, take care too. hey it's michael here i hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that will make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.